Hi, this is Joanne Dennison, welcoming you to another episode of Sit in the Attendee's Chair. Um, today's topic is definitely going to be one that you uh, either hold near and dear to your heart or you wish you would never hear about again. But before we even get to the topic, uh, let's introduce, we've got we've got a crowd today, actually. Um, so, of course, the usual suspects. Steve the Great. Uh, on my right, uh, pushing the on-off button, which he says is his chief role, and Miss Kelly. Hi, it's Kelly. And she's zooming in from Boston. Uh, Steve and I, of course, are in the Westford Cat uh, podcast studio. And today we have three um, guests with us. And I'm really excited. I'm going to introduce each one. Well, I'm going to say their names. Is that an introduction? Yeah, I guess. Um, and they're going to tell you a little bit about themselves. And uh, I guess I really should tell you what the topic is. Otherwise, it won't make sense why they're here. And today we're going to talk about uh, virtual and hybrid meetings. And you're thinking, oh, please, Joanne, it's, you know, 2022. Can't we be done talking about them? And the reality is no. And uh, we're going to discuss that today and hopefully answer a lot of questions that you've had and also maybe make you look at things differently about certain things. I know for me, I keep learning and going, ha, huh, never knew it could be like that. So yes, virtual and hybrid meetings are what we are talking about today. So first, I'm going to introduce you to a very dear friend of mine, Cecil Dorman with AVFX out of Massachusetts. And Cecil, why don't you tell us about you and about AVFX? Well, I'm out of Tennessee, actually, uh, originally. Well, so, true, true, true. But I made my way to the Yankee side of the country and have never gone back anyway. You don't so have a southern accent school. either. No, it, it only comes out when Jack Daniels comes out. <laughs> <laughs> then my accent comes back. But Or if I'm visiting my sister in Nashville, uh, if I'm there for half a day i i find myself just sort of fitting sliding in sliding right um, back in we have a lot of tennessee well, listeners nashville listeners too really yep i love nashville uh i grew up in memphis tennessee i went to undergraduate school there and then i went to graduate school in syracuse and um and that's really the primary reason i never went back because not that i i mean i dearly love the south but i don't uh i don't really have any relatives in memphis any longer and um all of my connections sort of migrated to the Boston area because when I left graduate school, I, I found gainful employment here in the city. And um, let's see what else can I tell you about that. I'm just harping on education for just one more moment or so because um, I, I, uh, I dearly love what Joanne does and <clears throat> what she teaches people because um, the, whole, the whole industry we're in now, this whole, uh, meetings and events and uh, community building and communication and education and all, all these things we do are so much better because they there are standards and cmp which is the standard that uh, joanne is is most familiar with i would guess is that true or are there an, is there another acronym that you're no, that's the one I know, and it's the umbrella the one for the industry. I mean, there are some really good specific ones about specific areas, but nope. And I admit, I'm that's that's the one I know the most about. <laughs> well, and and I don't want to, you know, I'm I'm already to get off the topic, but I just I was just it just occurred to me, is CMP making the events industry better? The fact that there are standards. 
I think so. And that it's not just the CMP, it's the Apex project was really what started the the standards. That's right. And that started in 2000 with the beginning of the glossary, trying to yeah. standardize terms because we know that's a huge issue. And then they went on to everything from RFPs. I mean, there's been a lot of work on it over 20 years to standardize it. So the Apex project, uh, which at one point changed names, but I'm pretty sure it's back to Apex, uh, it falls under what is now the EIC, Events Industry Council, which CMP also falls under. But the CMP is older than the APEX project. And CMP was a, was a movement to create standards, um, but also professionalism, to be seen as a real job, a real career, which still you have people who say, really? That's, that's like a real thing? Um, but anyway, yes, I hope that answered your question, Cecil. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so what do I do now? Now I work for a company called AVFX right here on my shirt. And um, they give the employees shirts. So that's a good thing. And um, <laughs> That's a big uh, perk. We don't, have to, we don't have to earn them. We just. I don't have an AVFX shirt. I have a Burley oh, Bird shirt, oh, but I don't have an AVFX right shirt. Over here. <laughs> there's one right behind me that you can have. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, AVFX is an audiovisual uh, event technology company who strives to um, really strives to understand what our clients are trying to communicate and help them find great ways to do that. And uh, so anyway, what do I do? I'm sort of the sales and marketing guy. I'm more marketing than sales, I think, as I get older, but uh, um but here I am. I had just just had my tenth anniversary of being here, just great. So, well, and and some of you who you know have been in my classes or follow my work or you know look at some of the videos, you have actually seen AVFX, um, the very popular lighting demonstration video. Uh, it came out of AVFX and them helping me um, put that together. Steve loves to laugh at that one because I'm so uncomfortable touching the equipment. But um, so if you've seen the lighting uh, demo video, you've seen AVFX. If you've seen the behind the curtain where we took a tour behind the scenes, that one you probably would have had to have been in my CMP class or bought the CMP prep to go. Um, there's something else. Well, if you took my very first virtual class, I want to say there's something else I have that was uh, videoed there, but they have been a huge help um, to me and definitely have educated me along the way about so much of this. And like I said, they held my very first virtual class, which was two months after the pandemic struck and I didn't even have a Zoom account. We didn't know anything. And they they were the ones who came forward and said, hey, we'll, we'll partner with you on this. Let's do that. And um, that was good because I had no clue what I was doing. Absolutely none. But, um, but thank you, Cecil. Sometimes you do your best work when you don't know what you're doing. This is true. You can't overthink it. Which over, You can't overthink it. Right. That's what I mean. You can't overthink it. And <clears throat> I'll be the first to admit that's an issue for me. So... Uh, so anyway. So I'm done. Okay, you're done. Talk. Okay, so let's go to uh, Lauren. Miss Lauren. Hello, hello, hello. Go so ahead. This is the part where I tell you a little bit about myself. Yes, so this is Lauren Nance, CMP. And yes, she is one of my former students and still a dear friend. And uh, she took the class in uh, November 2018 and passed, no, September 2018 and passed in November of 2018. So she's 
she's one of, as everyone jokes, you can see the quotes, my CMPs. But anyway, Lauren, tell them about you, what you're doing, a little bit about your background, like how you got to where you are, what you're doing now. Sure. I'm glad to be hanging out with you all today. And so I realized just a few years back that I've been planning meetings and events since I was about 12 years old when I would shadow mm -hmm. my mother who worked in the Passaic Public School District in New Jersey. And she was the parent-teacher liaison. She would throw these wonderful luncheons for the parents and for the teachers and their children. And so I was working registration and marketing and greeting and promotions and making sure the mic worked and making announcements. But I didn't realize that till a few years ago, the, that correlation, which is crazy. And so here I am in 2022. Um, running my business. A mere 20 years after her 12-year-old thing. Go ahead. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> nice save, nice save. So here I am, 2022, running my business full-time. Nets Communications, meetings, and events has existed in some form or fashion since I graduated college and needed to find a way to pay my student loans off. <laughs> and now we provide our clients with transformative services through business communications and live events to help make their vision speak. So they come up with these ideas that they want to do a program of some sort. They have this wonderful content, but they don't know how to take it to the next level or what the next thing will look like. So I'm the one who comes in and helps them determine what the next thing will look like. And a lot of times they're coming to me not having a clue how to do a Zoom meeting or a webinar or using some of these fancy platforms that have now um, taken center stage in the virtual world. And sometimes that's in-person events as well. They know how to put something together at the local community center or at a local hotel, but they don't know that professional side of conferencing and meetings and events. So I bring that professionalism to that idea or vision that they had, wrap myself around it, and we make it happen together. So, and it gets back to what Cecil was saying about standards. You bring your professionalism, your standards, your expertise, and that's when an event moves from being one level to another level. So when people it say, well, anyone can play an event, yes, they can. But, right. you know, it depends what level you want it in. Um, the difference between the plastic dollar store tablecloths from a decor standpoint to actually renting linens and the cost difference doesn't come out to be that much. But then of course we get on a higher level and we're talking about looking at your content and making certain that the way that it flows makes sense. Uh, clients don't always see that. They don't see that maybe the name badges should not be right at the front door, but should be a bit across the hall where people can grab them and not clog up the means of egress. <laughs> and there should be a trash can by every registration table. Exactly. <laughs> yes, then, you know, when you're talking about a, a vendor or vendor area or exhibit area where, you know, we have standards in the industry, every table isn't butted up against one another. It doesn't work well that way. Mm -hmm. So those are the little nuances I'm able to bring into play. And then, of course, again, when we're talking about the large scale conferences where you're serving a thousand, five thousand people and more. You've got to make certain that you have the tech to back that thing up. <laughs> Absolutely. In a audio visual kind of way. Absolutely. 
Well, thanks for joining us. So, Lauren, I asked Lauren to come on because I knew she had been working with a lot of clients on in the past two years, maybe before, but, you know, let's face it, we're all talking the past two years um, when it comes to, you know, virtual and hybrid meetings. And so she's experienced a lot. So I thought she would be a great voice from the planner and the, the client uh, point of view in terms of the questions she's got asked, the questions she still has, the questions, you know, questions, the voice, the voice of the rest of the world. So, and now I want to introduce Phil Rappaport. And I'm going to let you tell your story because I'll make up my own and it'll be half right. And just, just go for it, Phil. <laughs> I, it might be better than what, than what I can I can be very <laughs> creative. Trust me. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Joanne, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, so I started a company called Verly Bird in early 2021. Uh, Verly Bird is a meeting planner support agency. So we provide a variety of services and coordinate or bring technical solutions to a conference and provide contract staffing for short-term projects on the digital side. So we can serve as an event producer, focusing on the digital aspect of your hybrid meeting so that you, the planner, can focus on the in-person component. And we can coordinate with the digital platform, the various technologies you're, you're already using, but might not be speaking to one another, like the registration, the app, the speaker portal, et cetera. And we'll also work with your speakers and presenters, coaching them, also collecting and recording them, uploading them to, uh, if you've got an on-demand uh, portal. We also work with sponsors and exhibitors, collecting the data, the materials, uploading that, communicating with them directly, working with them directly, as well as other stakeholders. So my background, uh, right before I started Verly Bird for the previous seven to eight years, is I helped to run a mobile app solution uh, mobile event app, mobile conference app solution. Our app was used all over the world. And through that, I got to know hundreds of meeting planners and their association executives, corporate corporate executives and nonprofit executives, et cetera. And uh, I've also been on site throughout North America to many meetings uh, in those in those seven or eight years because in, uh, frequently our clients would want that on-site support. So I got to understand the audience side of the meeting, not just the audience side of the app, but the dynamics of what happens at a conference, at a meeting, whether it's one day, three days, five days, et cetera. And I picked up a lot of knowledge through that. So prior to that, I started in broadcasting way back when, and eventually worked at the beginnings of the internet industry. So I was actually working in the internet uh, before Google, before Facebook, Yahoo, Instagram, before all of those came about uh, starting in the mid-1990s. So I had an appreciation for what was about to take place in our society, in our, in our world, globally. So the parallel throughout all of that, frankly, is there is an audience. There are consumers for that and, and an, inter, an interactive audience at that. And so I think through my background, I had a, I had a leg up. For the, for the dynamics of how people consume information, how they interact with it, uh, what they're looking for when they mm -hmm. attend 
meetings, whether it be uh, in person or digital. So that's a that's a probably a top line summary of of my history, and I certainly have some perspectives on you know what's taken place in the last couple of years and um, the place of of hybrid meetings. Well, and I think we all have perspectives, that's for sure, and that's why I wanted you all in the room together because I, I think I think all the perspectives together and information will help people. So I thought where I'd start as other than coughing, is that, um, so there was an article out the other day in one of the trade e-newsletters type thing, and it was on what current, um, what hiring managers uh, who are hiring meeting planners uh, are looking for, you know, what are the key things they're looking for and what are the red flags for them. And one of the re one of the people said one of the biggest red flags for them right now is when someone says, and I'm paraphrasing, "Oh, I never want to do another virtual or hybrid meeting again. I hate them. I'm so glad we're back to in-person events." And she said it was a big red flag for her because they're not going anywhere. That hybrid and virtual events are here to stay. So Lauren, Cecil, Phil, and of course Kelly and Steve, you can always jump in too. Someone take it and run with it. Are they here to stay? As a planner, I would say yes, they definitely are. Um, if not, there are many reasons why, and I know that um, my colleagues here will jump in to say, um, give those great perspectives on that. But the one thing off the top that two of my clients said was that they're so glad that we had this disruption to add virtual to our in-person mix because they've been able to serve more of their members or more of their attendees by providing that virtual option. Even though um, folks are excited to get back to in-person, there are times when it's just not possible for an individual to come out and do that travel and spend that time out of the office. So that virtual component has not only helped them uh, provide a value added to their membership, but when they have made the dollars dance the way that they need to, it's become an additional revenue stream. And that is what those two things are two of the key reasons, I believe, from a planner perspective, that virtual hybrid is not going anywhere for quite a time to come. I, I think that's a good point. Were you going to say something? I, I just wanted to reinforce that. You know, uh, uh, if you don't know, I like tax, taxes. And I had always for the that's last one. That's T-A-X-E-S, not T-E-X. Not Texas, taxes. And uh, I, uh, it's my New England accent coming up. So um, I'd always wanted to go to this uh, really major at Georgetown Law, uh, Georgetown University Law School. And it was always so darned expensive to go to attend. I mean, it was one of the, it was like $2,500 to attend a three-day event. And they wanted you to stay in a $400 a night room. Anyway, Last year, I went virtually for like $150. I couldn't believe it. It was super great. So you're absolutely right. Uh, they, they can reach more people. Well, and I also uh, shared with the, the people in the room with us uh, today, to those of you who are listening, um, there was another article that just ran in the past day or two, uh, and it was researched. I mean, this wasn't 
you know, just, oh, I heard or people say it was actually research, documented, etc., um, that um, at least in certain associations and professional conferences and education settings and especially in the sciences, but I bet it's true a lot of other places, more women attended virtually than tended in person. And the reason being, and I mean, if you listen to some past podcasts, I've said this too, is for a lot of women, especially who are primarily caregivers or or key caregivers for children, for parents, for whatever it is, um, they can't take the time to travel. And I've used the example of when I was caregiver for my mother, it was just I had to, on top of paying all the travel expenses and everything, I had to pay for care for my mother if I went somewhere. So I thought it was very interesting um, because I'd felt this way that a lot more women attended a lot of, I mean, significant numbers increases had attended because they could virtually to organizations, again, increasing revenue stream. So, um, so yeah, I think for the revenue stream, that would uh, definitely be true, too. Cecil or Phil? Go ahead, Phil. <laughs> sure. Happy to do that. So, oh, God, I, I, can, uh, I can give you a lot of thoughts here. So, so here's <laughs> the thing. Um, planners want to return to in-person meetings because it's what they know and it's what they do. It's their career. So sitting at home in front of a screen is different than sitting in an office environment or, or moving about at a conference. And the whole, you know, uh, the, you know, that's what they're trained to do. That's, that's why they do what they do. And they're very talented people at that. You know, the hybrid and, you know, hybrid is becoming a hated word as much as pivot has, has been. You know, people don't like the word pivot. And hybrid is, is, is getting that kind of negative connotation um, in many ways because planners are being asked to do more or the same with less. Hybrid meetings are often two types of meetings. They're in-person and they're digital. Yes. More, more work is involved. More resources are needed. And in many cases, costs are higher because you have the in-person AV and you've got the remote AV and the cost to do that. Um, some more and more labor is needed, and some organizations are not hiring additional staff. In fact, they let people go during the be- during the beginning and the the middle of the pandemic, and so you've got the same the fewer people to take on the same or more workload, right? And so dealing with virtual adds a whole new dimension of programming. Is the programming live? Is it streamed? How much of it is streamed? Is it is it turned into on-demand content? So hybrid came to all of us at a very vulnerable time. It kind of hit us hard. And I'm talking about the pandemic. You know, we're recording this in May of 2022. And we didn't know. There was no succinct endpoint in sight. There still isn't. And we're all trying to deal with it. So it's dealing with the unknown. And planners do not like the unknown because it's not a, it's not a, it's not a criticism of planners. If anything, it goes to their strength. There's planners, a reason they're called planners. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they're planners. And so and so they have not to say they have dealt with not to say that they haven't dealt with the unknown, but but unknown there are unknown factors in every meeting or conference. But they usually know what might arise. If speaker doesn't show up. 
if the uh, fire alarm goes off, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, planners are trained. And so there was no training for a pandemic and there was no training for that. And so I'll give it to planners for the most part. I think the first year and a half, they, 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 were, they were trying to be innovative. They were trying to hang on to not just their jobs, but they were trying to hang on to the psyche of the organization and serve their members and serve their stakeholders. And so I think, I think planners get a tremendous amount of credit for, like I said, in some cases doing more with less or doing more with the same and, and not really getting ahead. So there's a lot of pressure on planners to, um, to take on more tasks, to take on more skill sets, to widen their skill sets. So I look at it, I call it the hybrid angst. You know, on one hand, there's the psychological and emotional component of, oh my God, what do I have to do here? And I'm, I'm really sick and tired of another Zoom meeting, right? And also there's an economic component to that. Well, the economic component is that, so look, many people want to go back in person and, 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 and in person, in some cases, has come back and has thrived. There have been many meetings on record of you know, being successful. Uh, certainly, certainly vendors want to be there in person. But the economic component that the pandemic has taught us is that there are people who, for whatever reason, whether it's a medical issue, a family conflict, um, an economic conflict where they can't travel from Europe for some for whatever reason, that a hybrid, a digital approach is actually a satisfying, it's not, it, it doesn't replicate an in-person experience, but it can be in and of itself a, a, um, a solution. It doesn't mean they're never going to attend in-person events again, right? We're seeing all kinds of things. We're seeing a surge in registration at the very last minute because people say, okay, uh, COVID's down. I feel better. I feel good. I'll buy the ticket, right? But that's not everyone's case. And I think it's. I think that we as an industry, so here, here, here's my cut. I'll put it in a nutshell. I think the silver lining in this terrible tragedy that the world has experienced in the last couple of years, the silver lining is that meeting planners have stood tall They've been creative. They've worked and relied and counted on um, suppliers and vendors to make the best of it. And I think it's fair to say some associations and nonprofits have actually found a new revenue stream. And that speaks to the economics of it, where all of a sudden people couldn't make a meeting in, you know, go to the West Coast from the East Coast or the East Coast from the West Coast or Europe or back and forth. And now all of a sudden there's a there's an economic solution where people can really be engaged. And so I'm looking at the positive side. I do think hybrid is here to stay, not for everyone. I would venture to say it's probably in the 30 to 50% long-term uh, range. If you really had to force me to find a percentage, I think it's going to be in that range. And I think that's a good thing. That doesn't mean you're, again, you're, you're simulcasting all of your in-person content, which you do not want to do, by the way, and we can talk about that. But there's an economic solution here at that that um, I think a lot of companies, associations, and nonprofits have discovered, and that going forward, that will be baked into 
how we deliver content and how we deliver networking uh, going forward. So I know that was long-winded. Thanks, and hopefully some of that made sense. <laughs> Cecil, yes, yes, it did, Phil. Thank you. Cecil. It did. It did. I think that um, the technology uh, side of, a, of events today, you know, the what's, what's ma what makes hybrid possible is still way too complicated. For most planners, it's just, it's not fair. You know, it really, and, I, and the, on the, the good news side is that it's getting easier and easier. And there's, and it's getting higher quality as well. But there's still lots of places where you can sort of step in a hole and you have to be so careful. You, the one thing that I just was talking with someone about yesterday that, well, you know, Fred White, is, we're talking about rehearsals. like. What is it? We were doing an event for a company that had acquired two other corporations, and they were uh, the the CEO was in Paris, and the other two companies were in the U.S. And then the the company that were being the two companies being acquired were in the U.S. But in one was in the Midwest, one was in uh, New England, and then the other one, the company that was doing all this acquiring was in Burlington, just up the road from our office here, and. Um, you know, it was, it's like it's like they were making trouble for themselves. They were making their lives more difficult, and they just wouldn't listen to. You know, you, there. I think people are more likely to listen to meeting planners and and the other vendors that are involved. And in, in, you know, if you explain that what lighting is going to do for you, what what good microphones and a good sound system is going to do for your live audience, but they don't listen. When, you know, they just, they go through all this stuff and they talk to you about it and they want to look at what you've done. And then they say, but we want to use Teams. <laughs> and, and it's like, wait a minute, there are better ways to do this. <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, everything's think, on okay. Teams or Zoom. We don't really actually need anything else, right? <laughs> well, anyway, I just think that it is getting better from a technical standpoint. It, it really made, it scared people a lot during the pandemic because, Meeting planners, you know, they couldn't do face-to-face -face meetings, so they had to do something with with technology, and uh, it's scary, I guess. You know, I don't know. I mean, well, AV types of things have always been scary to meeting planners. So. You took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say, for, oh, no. yeah, you are so good. We're just joined at the hip here, buddy. So, you know, twenty-something years I've been teaching CMP, and for all those years technology or AV or whatever it was called in the exam and the books that was always the part we're like oh yes. you know the conversations yeah. we've had about mixers and equalizers and you know all these different kinds of things and it, it's just the part they dreaded and I mean I remember saying at the very beginning because when I took it in very long time ago in 1996 we had to learn like all the types of screens all the types of projectors the image ratios from the different kinds of av equipment etc cetera, etc cetera. and i just remember saying i don't want to know all this i want to know enough <laughs> to hire a good av person that was like my whole thing and you know what's interesting is when the current edition of the book came out the opening kind of says something like that and i thought see i'm not the only one that feels that way i don't want to know the details i want to know how to hire a really good expert to partner with me that does know those details no more than they want to know about you know food service styles or something like that is um there a verbal is there a verbal section to the cmp uh, uh, i know there's you answer questions i've never taken the test so i don't know but is there a verbal 
You mean oral? No. Yeah, yeah. I say oral. I'm sorry. Is there an oral <laughs> part of the CMP exam? No, no, no. It's all no. it's all written. Okay. It's multiple that, choice. That little voice you came up with. But I don't want to know about that. <laughs> that would be so great if you could do that. <laughs> Maybe maybe I'll do a new thing on technology and AV and, and use that. But I mean, that's I, I don't. I want to know what I do. And you're right. You know, Phil, what you said and Cecil, what you said and, and Lauren, you echoed this. Uh, you know, meeting planners want to go back to fa face to face in person meetings because that's what they knew. That's what they grew up loving. That's what they wanted to do. But, you know, I've been saying for two years now. The reality is our job is to create the best meeting and event we can, whether it's face-to-face, -face, virtual, or hybrid. And, you know, I was thinking, Phil, when you were talking about, you're right, this could drive a lot of people out of the industry. And, and it probably, are, well, between the pandemic and everything and people being short-staffed and overtired and, you know, the, all the stress information, the polls that came out this week and everything, I think there will be people who do leave the industry because they don't want to deal with the technology. It's not what they signed up for. And you can make choices in your career. Yes, I want to go into the next evolution of what this career has become. Or you go, you know what? Not my ball game anymore. It's time to go find something else to do. Um, so that's, you know, but as a meeting and event planner, that is your job, no matter what the format is, is to create the best possible one you can. Yes, Phil, sorry, I cut you off. Oh, I'm, no, I'm sorry. I was going to say, to Cecil's point, you can, you, if you, if you, you, can, you, can, you can embrace technology too, right? I mean, I know many planners who, who thrive on, they, they feel that they are innovative people, right? They don't, if you're a planner doing the same thing over and over again, I don't know where the fun is, right? So, so innovate, technology brings innovation. It's in our lives. It's in everything that we do, frankly, on a daily basis. And so, but to Cecil's point, you can, you can listen to those who serve you, who you're hiring, and let them, let them come to you with solutions within a budget that your organization can use. You don't, you don't have to be the one running the virtual meeting. You don't have to be the one running the technology for the virtual portion or the hybrid portion. That's your job as a planner is to is to vet and hire providers and and, and solutions and services. And so, do that and 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 leave, let someone else have the day to day headache, so that you can kind of sit on, sit on top of that and manage that and 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 provide solutions to your boss, your, to your, to your, to that's your an interesting way. Go ahead, Lauren. <laughs> I've got stuff that's popping right through my there. head. As I am the meeting professional handling all the logistics to make that meeting go the way it's supposed to. And I am seeking that audiovisual partner to come alongside me and lend all of their professionalism and expertise. We need for our AV partners to help us strategize clearing the way to our stakeholders, those purse holders, to let them know, listen, in order for us to get this together and get it right, we're going to need the funds to make it go. And so that is what a lot of my clients have found to um, be the challenge. Their budgets are small, but their dreams are big. And I love coming alongside companies that can sit with me and strategize how we can make it work. 
and talk with me as the as the peer and professional that I am versus um, some who like to talk down to a planner with all of the uh, with all the technical technical that comes along with it and really come up with some great solutions. And I've had that um, good experience. Yet I've also had the challenging ones where my uh, stakeholders are like, "No, this just isn't going to work. You're just going to have to do more with less." <laughs> you know, I. Lauren, I totally agree with you. And and the thing that hit me with Phil is, isn't it funny that we would never think of thinking, well, we can save money or, or, or we know how to cook. We'll just go cook all the meals. We'll do all the shopping, you know, the food and beverage. Food and beverage, we can handle that. We're, we're a meeting planner. We can handle food and beverage. We can cook. We can plate it. We can... No! No one would ever think to ask a meeting planner to do that. So why the heck are we thinking as planners and our clients and powers that be thinking, oh, well, you can, but this is the problem, the whole idea of we can just do it on Teams or Zoom, how hard it gets back to my favorite thing, you know, how hard can it be to get a room and some coffee? Well, now it's how hard can it be to jump on Zoom or Teams? But the thing is, we would never take over the food and beverage in that way, where we are literally hands-on. So why the heck has it become this thought that we have to be totally hands-on from the technology view? Again, we wouldn't have done it for lighting. We might have done it, sadly, for microphones. Um, But, you know, any kind of bigger technology in a face-to-face meeting, we wouldn't have taken on. So why is this thought that, why can't we outsource it? It's a different, it's a part of the meeting. Sorry, Phil, that's where you got me. I was like, yeah, I would, nobody wants me cooking in the kitchen while I'm planning the meeting. I'm a pretty good cook, too, but no. <laughs> There's yeah, I mean, the, there's sorry, that's okay. There's an old book that says we perish because we lack knowledge. And a lot of times what I find is stakeholders really lack the, they mean, they lack the intricate knowledge to understand the value of a great AV partner coming alongside the planner to make things happen. They see the lit up. Like you said, Joanne, you know, they just, think oh you just you know uh you know send everybody a link and have them join and we don't need rehearsals and and lighting is a eh and forget about the things even through a zoom portal that can really enhance the experience they just feel like the planner can just make all of that happen plus all of the other stuff Mm. and it's just not and and for those listening, I have my face in my hand right now. It's just face not bump. reasonable, practical, or smart. It's just not smart. <laughs> I just have so many visions running through my head right now. <laughs> Steve? I think you? Phil made a good point, too, when he said the planners need to vet the AV company you know, to make sure that they really understand. And that brought to mind, we we have a friend who is a planner who got married in a sim, somewhat uh, remote type outdoor location and she was planning on uh, broadcasting her ceremony. And uh, we waited 20 minutes or so for the ceremony to begin and then we got a message that said, our AV company tells us there's no service out here. 
<laughs> we're too deep in the woods. She's the, a planner. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and, and yeah. We didn't know that a month in advance. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I mean, I was blown away. So I, I especially since it was a midnight wedding on New Year's Eve. Yeah. You, need um, to, <laughs> you need to vet your AP, your AV company. But I think part of that comes from. People thinking of AV companies as somewhere you rent microphones and speakers. Yes. It, 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 like a warehouse. Like, uh, I don't want to use a, a, a brand name, but like a rental house. You know, mm -hmm. like where you go get your chocolate fountain and your, you know, those places always make me nervous, too. Uh, yes, thank you. I, I, a brand came to mind because we passed a truck on the way and I didn't want to use a brand name because I didn't want to say anything negative about them. But, you know, people think of it just as a warehouse. They don't think about the expertise. Yes. And, you know, I was very fortunate early on in my, my career in New Jersey. Once I left colleges and universities, I, I don't even know how I found Jimmy. But Jimmy was my AV partner, and that man taught me so much. He was, you know, oh gosh, you know, just what I learned from that experience. And he was right by me for bids. And if we had to go talk to a client, I had no idea what I was talking about, you know. Um, and it, it really should, your AV company, your technology company, sorry, I guess that's the more accepted term now, should be your trusted partner, your trusted business advisor. Um, you know, yeah. Your, your partner vendor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, partner. I think that's the key word. Like, so start with partner. Don't say vendor partner. Say partner vendor. Okay. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That, but, Phil, you look like you want to say something. Jump on in. This is a conversation, not hey, order. Phil, I bought the URL already. You can't have this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you did see. So you're faster partner, than I did. Partnervendor.com. Um, I was just thinking about what we were talking about a few minutes ago. And, and I remember back in late 2020, um, an, ind an independent planner. I, I work with a lot of and know a lot of independent planners as well as planners that are with associations and companies and nonprofits. And uh, this planner had, remember this is late 2020, so the, the, the pandemic was upon us in March. And by the end of the year, she had sat through, at her desire, she had sat through more than 50 demos of different platforms. What, so you could say, well, gosh, I don't wanna sit through more than three, you know, three or four. <laughs> But what did she do? She became an expert. Yeah. She became someone people would turn to. She became more valuable to her clients. Um, she could take on a variety of, you know, being an independent in her, in her case, she could work with anyone and say, hey, well, have you seen such and such? She goes, well, as a matter of fact, I have. And here are the three things where they fall short. Or here are the three things that they're good at. And I guess my I, I just go back to the point of we're, we're talking about planners here and the and the planner livelihood, which was what your first question of person doesn't want to go into the plant, you know, just want to be a planner because she doesn't want to do uh, she or they don't want to do uh, virtual meetings, you know, um, this is the hand that's dealt us and and those I feel who have survived will be the ones who thrive not only thriving as planners, but eventually maybe they run their own business. Maybe they run the, the association. Maybe they move up into the C-suite. Why planners aren't, you know, planners are people who have, um, 
you know, desires to maybe grow their careers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I guess I, I guess I just come back to the point of the people who who either um, consult and find, you know, a find and then consult with with their technology partners, whether they be AV companies, companies like Verly Bird or others. There are many other companies out there, uh, mobile app companies that have turned that turned into digital platforms, but it comes down to trust and it comes down to the delivery of goods and services uh, in a reliable fashion. And I think, so planners who, who turn to those professionals and or jump in and get to know those platforms and technologies themselves are delivering value to their internal stakeholders, their boss, the board, their leadership team and external stakeholders, the participants, the attendees of their meetings. So I just see a lot of pluses that planners can do to help themselves and many of them have. Um, so despite kind of this notion of, I don't wanna see another hybrid again. Yeah, I mean, I don't wanna be sitting in front of a computer all day either. I love in-person meetings. The reality is that it's here, let's embrace it. Right. Uh, let's make a living at it. And let's do well. Let's maybe foster more creativity and more innovation from it. Well, and that's, you know, I'm also thinking there have been many things over the years that have evolved into part of the planner role that people didn't like, didn't want. I mean, I remember when things like Cvent came out and all the beginning software and meeting management and, you know, and people are like, no, no, you know, even room diagram software, that's okay, got my graph paper, got my, you know, it, it's just like it worked fine, you know, because they didn't want to learn the technology or, you know, maybe like I was always really, really horrible. And this came up the other day in a conversation with someone when an event was over, I am terrible at wrapping them up. Luckily, I don't do that very much anymore. But I mean, it was just like the event was over and my head was gone. You know, it's like I'm on to the next one. And that pile would sit there, the reconciliation of the bills, the thank yous, the, you know, until I needed money and had to finish it so I could invoice my client. Um, but, you know, there's always things that have been part of this job. And anyone who's been in it 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, that's not uncommon. You know, um, there have been things that have evolved in that you might not have been really and, and the way i look at it is if you really hate it that much you know learn enough find a partner send it out <laughs> you know like just find someone to work with you um the same reason i hire accountants and things like that <laughs> you know like no i don't want to do that nope not it's probably best if i don't you know um so couple other thoughts we had talked about talking uh, about and you know i'm sure we'll jump around all over the place but you know, when I started putting the podcast together a year ago, in the summer of 2021, I reached out to my network and I said, what What would you like to see podcast on? And I remember Erin uh, Bradburn sent me an email and she goes, what is the best platform for virtual? And I went, oh, I even know that that's going to be a loaded question. So, you know, I think somewhere in there we need to address that because I think a lot of people still think that way. But, and and tying in with this was for me, and I'm sorry, you guys have heard this story so many times, but um, the people on the other end haven't. So is the first time I sat down and talked to anyone about a hybrid meeting was probably about 10 years ago. I was actually kind of a, a guest at a meeting where someone who was a, a hybrid enthusiast was trying to uh, 
convince two people from a, a user's association, a, a user's group, to go hybrid. And since it was a tech group, it kind of made sense. But I remember sitting there and thinking, ugh. Because my image of it and the early stuff I was seeing was we have our in-person meeting and then some people set some cameras up and somehow it mysteriously goes through equipment and gets to someone sitting back at home. And they can watch, you know, they can watch from their computer. Basically just computer set up. And I thought, okay, you know, I can get it. And as the pandemic, that was my image of a hybrid meeting. Definitely of a virtual meeting, but also of a hybrid. And... It's actually been the last less than a year, six, eight months. I don't remember when, Phil, you said that thing that clicked with me. I know November was when I heard the other thing, but it's been less than a year. So, okay, we're more than a year into the pandemic. I consider myself relatively aware of what's going on in our industry and the world, <laughs> I think. And then I hear things like this and go, yeah, maybe not. Um, and... Phil and I were talking one day, and I don't even know what we were talking about, uh, about putting together, you know, virtual meetings and, and things like that. And you, you kind of made a very offhand comment about, well, really, it's like producing and directing a TV show. And I just remember sitting there and going, yes, it is. I had not even thought about because you were talking about bringing in different parts and no it wouldn't just be a stable camera so that was my first I think I need to really really think about what this means in terms of hybrid and virtual and does it have to be the three or four cameras sitting around the room just sending things back out and then the other aha moment I had and I know I'm not the other the only one i read enough of what people say people talk to me about things they talk in my classes they send me emails i know i was not the only one with that very locked in image of what a hybrid meeting would be and then when a cecil's peers was speaking at um a conference i was at in november and we were talking we're having a lot of the same conversation we are now about hybrid and virtual hybrid was the main topic and how could we make it interesting and we got in this discussion and i'm just setting the ground for you guys to run with this about you know if you're having hybrid does that mean it has to be the same does it mean it has to be equal equal is not necessarily the same in terms of value can you charge more can you charge less depending on what that you know which component looks like what um can you and they started talking about things like ones that are recorded and 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 then packaged and uh, like all the different ways you can do it and i still i wasn't grasping this real well i think because my mind was blowing open at the same time and um steve who works with cecil made the comment <laughs> You know, give me something I can hang on to. Give me a story and I'm good. And it was, he said, do any of you watch The Voice on TV? And Steve and I are, are, you know, we watch it every season, have since it has come on and everything. And he said, so the audience sitting in the studio is watching the live performance. They're hearing the judges talk to each other. They're seeing the scene changes. They're seeing, you know, all this stuff. And then you at home, you're watching all those films of what's going on behind the stage and the little bio pieces. And do you feel... He didn't use the word gypped, but that's the word I'm going to use. Like, do you feel like you got shorted because you're not in the studio? You had to watch that. And I was like, no, are you kidding? That's the stuff I love. You know, I love seeing the background thing. And he goes, so that's the thing. Does it have to be same to be equal? 
and I, I'm I'm not kidding when I say my mind blew open again. Like, oh, I really need to start thinking of things differently. And I know part of you are out there. You have one image. It may be a different image than mine of what hybrid looks like. So you three run with that now. <laughs> run wherever you want. Run away if you want. But <laughs> is anybody saying that it's easier somehow? Hybrid? hybrid? No, easy is never a word that comes up in this conversation. Right, right, right. So, so, so then, you know, these, we want the planners to know that it is more challenging in some respects. It's, I mean, I read things about, well, it's two meetings. You're, you're really planning two, two events. And I don't think it's quite that. I think it's more you look at the event, you're, you look at the event that you're producing in a different way like you were just talking about the behind the scenes part, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the one that, that you most often think of, I guess. So but then wait, there's the, sorry, let me, it, it, just something you said, and, and I think Lauren will be a good one, but you also have to answer. Where, it's, it's two different events, but they're joined. So what is the planner primarily responsible of if we're going to go down two different avenues which we obviously are technology and and in person without even talking about formats where is the planner and lauren i think this comes back to our favorite expression where 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 is the key place the planner has to join them at the hip what's our favorite expression lauren oh <laughs> Wait, back to goals and objectives? You got it, goals and objectives. <laughs> Is that the meeting planner has to have identified the goals and objectives, and the goals and the objectives should pretty much mirror each other. Well, the objectives may be being done differently, but the goals should definitely be. Um, so that there, there is, and I think that's where, Cecil, you saying it's, it is and it isn't too different. You're right, it isn't, because if it's the same event, the goals and objectives need to overlap significantly. And I think that's somewhere that the meeting planners need to start. Sorry, Cecil, I interrupted you, but you got me no, all no, no. excited okay. about that's that. Okay. That's okay. Well, you can talk again. Well, I, I remember <laughs> that when the pandemic first started, the people who screamed the loudest were the, the, the nonprofits that had to cancel their gala, their annual, you know, that one big thing they do every year. And, um, we had a lot of sympathy for them, uh, but they weren't quite adventurous. So, so basically, we had to had to take their those events and break them up into that television program that you were talking about. You know, we had to get them to let us pre-record parts of it, let us pre-record the things that you really couldn't do live. I mean, you you got to go into the pottery studio for the arts and crafts thing and see that someone throwing a, a, a bowl or whatever, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it was actually, it was a horrible time, but it was a really exciting time too. It, I remember doing some things that were, um, you know, we had entertainers. Uh, they were the same people that you would hire to do your ballroom show for a fundraising event, except that now you were you were recording them in their studio, in their garage or in their home or whatever, you know, ahead of time. And, and but put it on at the right time and have the person who's in the band introducing and talking about something the band is about to do or whatever you know it's, it's it, it is there's so many there's so many guides to how to do this stuff you know there's so many 
you should just go home and watch television. That's what you should do. <laughs> I, I so have to agree with that. Um, producing, especially fundraising events for nonprofits was mm. exciting for me because it brought up my TV production experience mm. from college and everything I learned at Rutgers University under Steve Miller's guidance. Hey, Steve, how you doing? I know you're listening. So <laughs> I have one of the best fundraisers for one group all done via Zoom meeting on mm -hmm. virtual. It was mm -hmm. about the experience. It was about the design. It was about the engagement. Mm -hmm. I helped that chairperson walk through that event, what we would typically do live, and I helped them translate. It was like going from one um, foreign language to, to another. I helped them translate that live event to a virtual environment, and it worked so wonderfully, and they did well financially, received a lot of donations, and everyone, we had, it, we had recorded entertainment, live entertainment. We only had one hiccup with the audio during a violin performance, and all we did was make some adjustments and then had the violinist go again, and it was awesome. It was all about venturing into that creativity, and you're so, mm. so right, that reluctance of associations and nonprofits, especially who do those fundraising events at first, they're like, oh no, we can't do the same thing. No, our donors aren't going to go for it. Well, let's face we it, associations and nonprofits are the very first people to say, but we've always done it this way. I mean, that, that's like years. the mantra. This is, right. this is what the annual gala always looked like. And it's like, right. yeah, right. maybe. So it's about reimagining reimagining the experience and great word that, yeah and it, it has carried me truly for the past couple of years and then when we look at the hybrid experience and not only am i a, a planner but i'm also an mc and a host when retained to do those duties so it is all about me walking through the event as an mc with the organization or the company or whoever's hosting it to say, okay, this is what we have to be aware of because we want to make certain that both audiences are getting equal time. So we know the content is going to be streamlined, but while we are live in this auditorium with this particular audience, I want to make certain that as the MC, I'm engaging on that board with those little boxes there to make sure our virtual audience doesn't feel left out of anything. Another thing I picked up is even when it comes to announcements. So, you know, during a program, you'll have some announcements and, and things that are put out there to the audience. Sometimes there are differences in those announcements because your live audience may need to get, be given directions on how to get to lunch. Virtual audience doesn't care about that. One event, um, a, a, a sponsor of the event was talking about maybe having a different host for each audience so that there's no confusion so hey you know lauren your your in-person announcer lauren is going to come up and give you directions on what's going to happen next followed by bill who's going to come behind her and talk to our virtual audience about what they're going to experience next and no one would feel would feel left out and so it is that intentional reimagining and really thinking through, walking through those details and filling those gaps where the experiences might be different. Sit in the attendee's chair. Equal, no. same. It can get muddy in places, but it is truly doable. 
So Lauren, did the did the donations go up when you sent them that little bottle of Jack Daniels ahead of time? <laughs> no, that's a great thing. The one client I worked with, they weren't in a place to be able to send things to to their yeah. their clients. Um, but it was wonderful. We, you mentioned pricing before, maybe in Joanne, about how do you price differently when you have the in-person audience, virtual audience, how do you do that? Well, if your in-person audience is having lunch, and of course you're going to have one price point to charge them, but if your at-home audience isn't going to have lunch, of course you're going to charge them less, but if you do a DoorDash gift card and <laughs> mail it to, or, or do it digitally, and they get it via email, which costs you nothing. They can order DoorDash, and then you can charge them the same amount because they're getting the same content. And they're still getting an experience, which a lot of them will pay for because they're vested in the content and the message mm. that that organization is putting out there. So um, it, it thrills me to have all of these different avenues to produce events now. We just have to encourage our clientele to be creative and get out of that stinking box and just. And maybe, the, maybe, and then we're going to go to Phil, but maybe the issue isn't the planners. Maybe the issue is the, the clients, the, you know, the end users going, no, 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 won't work. Nope. Nope. We can just do it on Zoom. Nope. Nope. I used to be employed as a planner for an association and. It was the fear, in air quotes, it was that fear of what my executive director would say and what the president and the board of directors would think. And so, yes, I'm gripped in my own insecurities about how I'm going to make this happen. More so, this is my paying job and how am I going to get them to understand that this is going to double my output? They're not going to double my, my salary. But the logistics involved with making certain that, that that tech, that AV part, which is the part that I as a planner stress, stressed a lot over, how am I going to deliver that to them? How are they going to be okay with the height and cost? How are we going to make this all balance and work? Sometimes, yes, it's us, but a lot of times it's the fear of what our stakeholders will say or do. Absolutely. Phil, you're in an interesting position to speak on a lot of this, including and I don't mean this, I know you know I don't mean it offensively, people could kind of look at you and go, why would we need a you? You know, we already have planners, we already have a technology company that are experts, but, you know, here we are arguing about money, and I mean, go wherever you want with it, but I'm just thinking you have a different perspective and obviously have had to help fight the fight for, no, how good do you want this to be? And Cecil, I know you fight this fight all the time, like, and and you guys all know about how I feel about sitting in the attendee's chair. And if you're not going to make it where people can see and hear and have the experience and meet the goals and objectives, don't have the damn meeting. Okay? Because you're basically saying it's not worth it. We don't think that the content of this this meeting is worth it to produce it correctly. Um, we've, never, we've never done it that way before. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And it's like, no... Uh, Wait, I have to tell you something. And then, Phil, really, I will let you go. I was um, at the – I saw a great poster the other day, which I'm posting. Anyway, uh, and it had to do with how we do not hear – it was in the ENT's office. We do not hear with our ears. We hear with our brain. And when you can't hear correctly – how exhausting it is on your brain. And I thought, yes, 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 I've been arguing that I didn't know I had bases for it for a long time. So anyway, Phil, run with, with any of this, all of it, wherever you want to go. Yeah, so many great <laughs> comments uh, stemming from 
your first comment about being a TV production to Lauren's um, epiphany, if you will, about reimagining, and that really resonates with me a lot. I mean, look, um, Verly Bird's creation is predicated on a hybrid meeting in which you can outsource a project. A team can tackle a short-term assignment and save an association on long-term hiring costs. You've got a conference in three months or, or even six months, or in some cases it's been, you know, three weeks. Phil, I've got a conference in three weeks, help. You know, you're not, it's too late to hire somebody, interview, hire, ramp up, train, et cetera, et cetera. You're better off hiring um, a consultant, an agency um, like us or somebody else. But again, someone who can come in uh, hit the ground running, see what you're trying to accomplish, and really save you money and headaches in the long run. People, you're hiring a, you're hiring experienced people who have been doing conferences and meetings alongside you for many many years. So they see a perspective, they understand your goals and objectives, and they they see the perspective. So you know, but getting back to kind of what a hybrid is or what it can be, I mean. The question I think planners and, and stakeholders have to ask themselves is what are we, what are the goals and objectives? What are we trying to do? What can we or what do we need to deliver live? And what can be packaged, right, for a different kind of, a, of consumption? It could be on demand, which by the way, the live people could also take advantage of, and it could be other things. So you know, and also what kind of interactivity can occur virtually? I think Lauren really, you know, her comments really resonated uh, with me for a couple of reasons. So last year I was part of a conference that I was putting on uh, with a meeting planning association here in the Northern Virginia, DC area. And so what we decided to do is we would stream, you know, quote unquote, the plenaries or the, or the general sessions. And then um, I volunteered, I said, you know what, let's do this for the virtual audience. I'll go out in the hallway. We set up a riser, two chairs, put a nice plant on it. We had a laptop, which was our camera. And what I did for the course of a couple hours was we brought in people to be interviewed for five minutes. You know, We brought in sponsors and exhibitors. We brought in speakers after they were done speaking. And all of a sudden you've got programming for the virtual audience. So they felt like they were getting something, right? Now, I'd be the first to say, and I kind of alluded to this earlier, you know, you probably don't want to stream the entire eight hours a day because chances are no one's going to sit in front of their computer for eight hours a day, let alone two or three days of a conference. It's just not reality, right? So I think defining kind of what what's the optimal experience. Okay, if I was ask yourselves if i was if i was unable to come or if i for whatever reason health economics conflicts etc cetera, etc cetera, you know what would i want to get out of this conference um and ask yourself what content can we you know make them a part of and what content can we deliver separately and what else can we deliver you know in a way that They'll, they'll still get the benefit of it. Now, you know, one, one thing is the interactivity, right? I was reading something online a couple weeks ago where the author was saying, they were talking about hybrid meetings, and this person, this writer was saying, well, if you're gonna bring in people live, you know, in a virtual meeting, you know, the virtual people wanna be part of the live group and the live audience wants to interact with the 
remote people. I'm like, no, no, you're live. You don't, you're not, you're focused on being there in the moment. And, and so that person got it wrong. I think that um, you don't have to do it. If you find a way to do it where people can interact, great, but don't force that on them. Right. Because people have paid their money. They've traveled, they've shown up and they're there and they want to, they want to learn and get, and get networking opportunities live in person at the same time find some ways so that you can develop interactivity among the people at home do some breakout sessions get a facilitator kind of lauren was talking about that late uh, earlier get a facilitator to make that happen you you know you could find you've come on we've all been on some zoom calls where we've we found a new friend we found a contact a colleague something's resonated Let's give ourselves some credit here and give give credit to people who are attending your conference and help them do that. Find facilitators and moderators to spark discussions and get people going, get make people feel included. The pricing comes comes late. You know, the, the pricing is part of that discussion. But I think you really have to go back to what are we trying to deliver so that we can satisfy both audiences. And so, yeah, I think going back to the TV show reference, in some ways, the virtual thing is a TV show. Um, make it as interesting as you can. Give them give them some value and let it be like, you know, you don't have to fill up eight hours a day of content for the virtual audience. Give them something that they can chew on, that they can enjoy. And maybe they'll come back next year live. You know, it's it's in other words, keep them as your audience. Don't don't discard them because they can't make it. It's not it's not. Right. It's not, you know, your fault that they can't make it and it's not their fault that they can't make it, but you're trying to appeal to a membership uh, in general. And so it's delivering value at the end of the day. Okay, so I'm hoping this got people thinking. I mean, it, I've got like a page of notes of new ways of, of thinking of things too. Um, and, and I'm really hoping and I'm... I appreciate the three of you coming on and, and you have such different but overlapping perspectives, which I think is really important. Um, and I really appreciate you sharing all your expertise and your thoughts and being part of this conversation. Um, and, and for the listening audience, and no, they don't know that I'm doing this, but I'm going to do this because I believe in all three of these people. You heard their, your, their brilliance and um, all three can help you out. They can be hired anywhere in the country and probably anywhere in the world to work with you. So, you know, I, I can vouch that they're all good people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty picky about who I, I throw my, my beliefs behind. And um, I, I just, I'm hoping that you'll see where we can go with hybrid and virtual, maybe that you hadn't thought of. Like I said, maybe it was different than what I thought of, et cetera, but um, I'm hoping, and, and maybe in a couple of months, we'll have a part two and see what's happened, you know, with the, the world opening up and, and new technologies and, and things like that. Uh, I know some of you need to go. Um, anything you want to jump in and say before we leave? Poor Kelly, I hope you enjoyed listening because I know you didn't get to talk today. <laughs> no, this has been very interesting. I really appreciate you guys being here and I've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you. Good. Cecil, Lauren, Phil, anything you want to add before we wrap up? I think what I'll share is that 
from as a as a professional meeting planner, as a host, as an MC, I really encourage those of you who are looking for the the right support for your meetings and events to know that there are great partners out there that can help you accomplish your goals and objectives and being mindful of, of your budget. And of course, um, all great things need to be funded <laughs> and um, funded um, at a particular scale. But just know that there are some great professionals out here who can really support what you're doing. You don't need to be in it um, on your own and alone. You have people like the three of us who can really undergird what it is that you're looking to do and bring you the solutions. You bring us your problems. Let us worry about your problems. Bring us your pains. We'll, we've got the best pain reliever. You know, so definitely uh, partner with um, companies like ours and individuals like us to help accomplish what it is that you're looking to do. Cecil, Bill, um, Cecil. Thank you, uh, Joanne, for inviting me to this. And, and thank you, Steve, for making it so sound so perfectly uh, crisp, <laughs> I'm sure. And uh, even though I haven't heard it yet, but... Uh, so um, that's it mostly. I, I'm really nice to get to know Phil better. Nice to meet you, Lauren and Bye Kelly. Time. We hadn't spoke, haven't spoken, but that, that's all good, you know. So um, it was a good experience and uh, I'll do it again. So let, let me know when you're ready. A, a year from now, two years from now. <laughs> I'm thinking six Wherever months. See, let's, yeah. let's see <laughs> at the top of my e-guide that went out this week, I put the quote from Alice in Wonderland about things getting curiouser and curiouser because that's kind of <laughs> how I'm feeling right now. You know, it's like, okay, let's see what the world is in meetings version 16.7 or whatever it is. So thanks, uh, thanks for pulling it all together. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for coming. Phil, anything you want to say? Just uh, again, thanks for having me. And this was great to listen to uh, yourself and Lauren and Cecil and Steve and Kelly. And I would just, uh, you know, my, my suggestion is to planners and organizers, embrace, embrace the new, embrace change. That will make you more valuable. It will make you more valuable internally. And when it's time, if you're looking to chart a new career path in this industry, it will make you more valuable that you've taken on projects that have some nuances that you've become, that you've been unfamiliar with and that you tackled successfully. And um, find a community. Make sure that you are belong to, um, I mean, I'm a member of everything. Yes, so, you are. So, you know, I'm in a leadership role with MPI, but I also belong to PCMA and SGMP for the government meeting professionals and, and other organizations. And, you know, find a community where you can learn from others. Uh, there's nothing more magical when I'm in a room and I'm hearing one planner share what they did uh, to another planner and the light bulb, you can just imagine the light bulbs going off. And um, so don't do it alone, you know, go be with others, find, uh, find connections. You'll find uh, a lot of tips and techniques that will benefit you. And, um, you know, that's, that's all really that, that I've, that I can conclude with other than again, thank you for having me. This has been a lot of fun. Well, thank you again to everyone. Uh, listeners, I hope it, it sparked some of those light bulbs going on and, and you know, maybe a way of reshifting or as uh, Lauren said, reimagining that, wait, this could be fun. And again, as, as they all saying, we you don't have to go it alone. 
Um, I, I believe so much. I have partnerships that have lasted decades in this industry. Uh, so um, glad you uh, came on for the journey with us today. And, um, you know, if you have information you want in a future one, by all means, let us know. If you're part of the uh, my CMP community, uh, by all means, you know, have some conversations about it then. And hold on, I'm being, uh, oh, yes, uh, if you, uh, you should go on and uh, be part of AVFX's newsletter um, emails. They are great, just because I was the top video in the one this week, which was a little surprising. That, that wasn't necessary, but um, it, there's all kinds, they're, they're experts give you amazing information on lighting and sound and so does their website and i'm sure phil has a bunch of information on his website and if not i know he's always good for a conversation and uh so is lauren so um and of course if you're not on the e-guide uh steve where do they text they text uh meet guide to 22828 meet guide m-e-e-t-g-u-i-d-e to 22828. For some reason, I cannot remember that text number. So, anyway, thanks so much, Kelly and Steve. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Phil, Lauren, and Cecil, thank you for coming on and spending this time with us. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was just a, a fun conversation, I thought, to have and everything. So, signing off for now. See you on the next episode. <laughs>